knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend. And uh, today, on this date, in October, we're hosting a very special uh, live version. So this is the first time, actually no, it's not the first time, it's the third time that we're using the podcast studio, aka my basement, uh, as an actual podcast studio. So to paint the picture here, I'm sitting across two from two of my good buddies whom I'm going to introduce in just a moment. And we're sitting here in the, the office with the, the American flag and the Coast Guard flag and antelope mount and signs and guns and electronics and spice blends and all those things that that encompass the world of harvesting nature <laughs> are here. Um, and we're going to do a little recap. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the show long enough, or if you haven't, you're about to learn. Uh, I like to do kind of cool trip recaps. And uh, we're going to do one coming up probably next next episode for Colin and Ben's elk hunt out in Oregon. Because they spent quite a bit of time uh, archery elk. So, um, But this is going to be focused mainly on Colorado antelope. And it's not an intensive, in, inclusive, in deep dive into it. Uh, it's We basically spent like a weekend out, uh, had some weather come in, which cut it a little short. But we'll go through some some highlights, some ups and downs. I'll tell you, we did come home with meat. We did. Yeah. <laughs> which is an important caveat to this. Um, but before we kick off, I'll, I'll, I'll hit up on some other news. So uh, right now, as of this recording... We have two spots left at the pig camp. So he had some cancellations due to some scheduling conflicts. So we've got two open spots. Uh, that'll be the first, is it first or second weekend in December? Let me look real quick. It is the second weekend in December, the 8th through the 11th, down in Texas, just northwest of Dallas. We'll be hosting our second ever wild pig hunting camp. Uh, where you can learn to shoot, hunt, butcher, process, 
and cook wild pigs. It's going to be a great time. So two spots open. Head over to our website. Uh, check that out. You'll see the heading there, Wild Pig Camp. Uh, also, too, um, we're currently sitting on three wild fit or three wild food blends. We've got we got the big game blend. We've got the uh, upland fowl blend, and we've got the wild fish blend. We've got those available in the store for sale. Ship anywhere, uh, just about. Um, and then we're pending two the release of two. So we've got our uh, small game blend, which I think we're the only company to have a small game blend. But that just shows you how important I think small game uh, hunting is. I think everybody at some point in their life has probably hunted some sort of small game. Uh, I definitely encourage the eating of it. Um, so we wanted to create its own blend. And then we're also going to have the waterfowl blend, which I'm definitely going to put to use. I think we're going to put it to use for sure this uh, this winter. So keep an eye out for the release of those. And then also coming up, uh, we're in the month of October, so towards the end of this month, uh, keep an eye out for the fall issue of Harvesting Nature magazine. So pretty excited about that. It's got a good lineup. Got some uh, elk hunting stories. We got some elk recipes. We got some antelope recipes. We got some pinion nuts stories. We've got uh, bird hunting, uh, conservation news. We've, we've got kind of like the whole shebang, just like always. So uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. It's always good. Awesome, great photo essays, beautiful cover photography. We've already picked it. I'm not going to spill the beans on what it is, uh, but it's pretty cool. And then uh, really, I think the next big event for me is I'm heading up to Wyoming uh, here next weekend um, to go hunt mule deer and antelope up there. Uh, It's one of my favorite places to go hunting. Um, So really excited for that. So I'm sure prepare yourself for a recap episode of that too, coming down the way, but, uh, definitely be some more food conversation episodes in between those. Uh, but I will now introduce to you the two people sitting across from me. Well, I'm going to tell you their names and then they're going to introduce themselves. So I hope you guys have something prepared. Just think, think about whatever you want to say. Uh, so Eric, Go ahead, go first. Yeah, so my name's Eric Jones. I grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. I grew up hunting whitetail deer, small game, uh, fishing in a creek for bluegill and warmouth bass, if that's even a thing anymore. Um, Wait a minute. What was that? Warmouth bass. So it's what uh, it's what they call small mouths. Oh, down got in the it. Southeast. Okay. Um, but. From there, grew up into being a hunter and fisherman as an adult, uh, spent some time working for the state as a park ranger, doing some conservation work there, and then um, ultimately chased my dream of moving out west and getting into some of this action out here. Nice. And you've been out here two years now? Two years, roughly, yeah. Okay, cool. Tom? Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Russo from God's Country, otherwise known as Texas. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, they are the bigger brother of Oklahoma. Um, thank you for the reminder. I <laughs> uh, grew up in the Southeast part of Texas, um, hunting rabbit, squirrel, you name it. And then advanced to deer hog and have loved ever since as a family tradition. Um, basically been all over the country and finally got moved out here to the Colorado, uh, Aurora area. And yep. Went on my first ever antelope hunt with uh, you and Eric. Yep, which is an important moment here. And we're also missing, she'll likely join us at some point, but uh, Zoe, my daughter, went with us too. And um, 
the plan is for her to make her first podcast uh, podcast um, debut tonight. But she's currently eating because she's got back from rugby training. So um, we'll go ahead and continue with her, and she can hop in wherever. And I'm sure she's going to have some comments of her own uh, naturally. But uh, so let's let's start sort of how we got there, and we'll paint the picture. So. Uh, we hunted an area down in southeast Colorado-ish, down southeast of Pueblo. So if you picture the I-25 corridor, as they call it here, it's to the eastern side of that. But um, we, it was not our first choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let Eric, if you want to go into because this came per your experience last year sort of with it. Yeah, so I hunted that unit last year had a successful hunt there last year it was my first ever antelope hunt last uh, year last year nice um and so whenever i I tried to draw this year point creeps a real thing and um i didn't draw my pick so um didn't draw the second no the second draw we did draw we were all over here at your house for a barbecue and uh having a good time talking about doing an antelope hunt we all put in for units, and this was our fourth choice on the second draw, and <laughs> <laughs> that's what we drew. Um, I knew the area. I knew there was a little bit of public land down there, so that was why I was hoping that we drew there because most of the units left in the secondary had little to no public, mm-hmm. so that was why I recommended. At least I knew that we could hunt it. Yeah, and going down there, I looked at the on the way back up the leftover tags. There were still three leftover tags for this unit. Yeah. And so that's after the first drawing, the second drawing, and then the initial run, which at this point were two months after they released the leftover tags. So there was 133 leftovers for here after the second draw. Oh, yeah. I looked at it. So that means 130 people bought before I looked at it. Correct. (laughs) Which is insane. We, I think we saw them all. Uh, Yeah. every, (laughs) every Every one of them. All on the roads. Yeah. Yeah, I think like antelope is one of those things that it's it's very it's very common to see people sort of road hunting them and uh, because they're like very usually very visible. But like I told you guys, a lot of the success I've had with antelope hunting is like finding those like little pockets of land that people overlook from the road, and then like all you gotta do is like get over the hill and like you know, see this spot and there's like, Oh look, wow, there's a herd of antelope bedded down there. So, um, we, we definitely had some tactics going into it. And I think, uh, I think our tactics were good. Um, it it was kind of like, it's always that bet whenever you hunt and travel of like, you're kind of like hunting slash scouting. And it usually like takes you a couple days to work into it. And I usually say it takes you like four days. It's like one day, the first day is completely wasted. Like if you harvest an animal on the first day, it's usually out of just like pure luck. And then like the second day you're like, okay, we're going to dial in a little bit more. And then like the third day, usually you see an animal. And then like the fourth day is like, all right, I know where I need to be. I know where they're moving. I know how to be in position and like usually get set up pretty well to like take the animal. So that's like when I hunt and travel, I always try to do like three to four days, but we did this one basically in two or one and a half, one and a one half. And a half. Cause we got rained out on the last day. Um, but it, it was still good. I mean, that's all that time would allow for us. Uh, it was, it was local here. So we just went down and just knocked out real quick. So this is not a big Epic saga. 
but it is a saga and it is epic. <laughs> it's just not an epic saga. Um, there was definitely a share, a fair share of drama. Yeah. There. Oh yeah. We're going to get into that. But Tom, what was like coming into it? What was your perception of like what you thought antelope hunting would be? And feel free to recap like conversations that you and I had or like, um, anything. So on the way down there, um, we were talking about how this was going to really defer from my hunting experience in Texas and Arkansas, mm-hmm. which I'm used to sitting in a stand. Mm-hmm. And you explained to me that it's going to be a lot of stock. It's going to be a lot of walking mm-hmm. long miles, mm-hmm. as I must say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I lost like 10 pounds, but, um, and then you told me that you're going to, you and Eric were going to show me the ropes basically on how to go about getting up close and, uh, trying to get up on an antelope basically to see if I could shoot it or not. We know we went over a bunch of the regs. We went over about how, what they look like, the black patches on the, uh, lower part of the back jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, how to tell the difference between a male and a female, the antler length on what was legal, what was not legal for a female tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you explained to me, um, like, Hey, this is first day is basically comprised of trying to figure out where they're at, where they're located, what position we can get into, how we're going to meet up with Eric. Eric was already out there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, setting up everything, sc- scouting it out, scoping everything out, getting us, trying to get us success down there. Yeah. Uh, so we, 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 we could not make it down the Friday before. So the season opened on a Saturday morning and we couldn't. So Tom and I decided to get up at three 30 in the morning and drive the three hours down to, uh, down to there while dragging Zoe along too. uh, not against her will because she wanted to come, but, uh, she was actually super excited to come and I wish she would come down here but um so can you tell us a little bit about your experience with this unit last year yeah so um last year again this unit doesn't have a ton of public um it does have some that but it's just not good antelope country from what i see um and last year opening i did the same thing you guys did which was i drove down the morning of the opener daybreak got into a spot that i had pre-scouted earlier in the summer and i sat that first spot that we sat on all day last year and then um i had a doe tag and right around sunset a yearling buck walked out on the day of the opener and I put a stalk on him, got all the way within maybe a hundred yards and decided to pass. Cause I couldn't tell if he was legal or not because the, like I said, the regs are under five inches for mm-hmm. the horns. Um, I went back, did some actual antelope biology studying about the length of the ears and all of that and convinced myself that he was a legal animal for that tag. Um, also the weird thing about him, he didn't have a black patch. Oh, not yet. Yeah. So he uh, probably was true, like true yearling. True yearling. Right. So he that, still have them like Mohawk on the back. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, like, a true yearling. So I said to my, I went and sat the next spot the next morning. And I said, if, if he comes out, I'm going to let my hunting partner who was there with me also on his first antelope hunt, put a stalk on him, which he did successful. 
and uh, got down there and he decided he wasn't comfortable shooting. And he came back up and I said, well, dude, I'm going to go after this antelope. So I went down there, got within a hundred yards of him again um, in, in the areas, no cover other than that small amount of sage mm-hmm. that you saw. So I was just low crawling for like 700 yards, <laughs> got up to him and, uh, you know, successful shot. Yeah. I put, went down right away. Uh, so I was pretty excited. I mean, I was happy with the, you know, the outcome of my hunt last year. But yeah, I wasn't, it was a successful hunt, but it wasn't, you know, your dream antelope hunt yeah. for your start. Was it, you know, that was kind of how it went last year. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So now we're joined by Miss Zoe Catherine. Zoe, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Zoe Catherine. You want to tell us about yourself, about your hunting experience and fishing? Uh, I mostly do fishing um, because I haven't got into hunting, like fully hunting. But I love fishing more than hunting because it's easier and actually not that long. What do you mean not that long? Um, like... You find a fish, you cast a rod, um, you put the, or before you cast a rod, you put on the bait, all that stuff. Oh, so you're saying the length of time it takes to be productive is shorter. Yes. Okay, gotcha. And what's your, what's your favorite part about hunting and fishing? Getting all the meat. Yeah? Why is that? Because you get, you get to try different kinds of meat and different kinds of fish. It's actually really good. Well, what's special about the wild meat? You don't, you know where it came from. Well, yeah, but for you. What's special about wild meat for you? That that's that's the only meat you get to eat. Yeah, that's the only one I get to eat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got it. So, you can join us in on this conversation. You can say whatever you want um at any time. Don't wait till you're asked. You can just say a comment. Uh, it's just like us talking, but without headsets, okay? Um, so what did you think about when I asked you to come down with us? I was happy because I want to see see what it's like. What's what, what like? Like what it is to be antelope hunting because I've never been antelope hunting before. Got it. So you're excited to go? Yes. Nice. And then what do you think whenever we got down there? What about how the environment looked like? Can it you describe like it? De- 
it it had cracked um ground with a lot of gorges. What a gorgeous gorge there was when we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was the name of that one? Um, George, George the Curious Gorge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that that's a perfect segue. So we'll talk a little bit about... So the environment we were in... So my experience hunting antelope has mainly been uh, in s- central Wyoming, which is more rolling plains, um, kind of like grazing area, you would think, versus this uh, location is more... It's very... it's. Southwest Colorado. It's like Southwest Colorado, Northern New Mexico. Like there are patches of like grass grazing area, but I, I would feel like a lot of it. I mean, there was Chala cactuses. There's like Nopalas cactus. There's, there's cedar, there's pinyon pine. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of geographic features as far as like bluffs and hogbacks and buttes and gorges and dry river bottoms and things like that. So it wasn't what I would say like typically I would hunt antelope at, which would be like a big open area with grass and a lot of, you know, sage and food and stuff that they enjoy. So I think that that was reflective of the amount of animals that we saw, but also too, there's not a lot of water there. Right. And I think that was also reflective of where we started to see the animals at was within proximity of like some of the water troughs. Well, and I will say that uh, this year is a lot drier down yeah. there than last year. So I, that was a big difference because I had my scouting had all come from last year's trip. Yep. So I thought, hey, I'm going to go back to the same spots I was at last year. But this year it was so much, there was just nothing for them to eat. There was no water. There was no No, it green. was not green. I think sage was green maybe. Some spots we found one hill that was kind of green. Um which uh, I think too was evident because I was telling you about the pinion nuts uh, from the the pinion pine and how uh, Erica Davis, who's she's known as the Wild Food Girl, she's been on on the podcast before, uh, talking about foraging in the Rocky Mountains and Colorado and stuff like that. Uh, she said that this year would not be a good year for pinion because it was so dry, and so uh, the weekend before this or two weekends before I forget which my my season's running together now I was over on the west side of the I-25 corridor probably about four hours to the west no four hours two hours to the west from where we were and there I was finding pinion nuts with full fruit inside the nut and here we cracked several pinion nuts and they're like shriveled up uh, seeds inside, like not great, not not your typical uh, pinion nut or pine nut you would think of. It was like very not great, right, Zoe? Yeah, it kind of felt like a dried out mushroom, but it or not mushroom, um, marshmallows, oh. just without like the crack in it. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll take that. Um, let's see. Anything else for the environment? You guys think? No, nothing. No, I mean, nothing like I said, it, it was just really dry this year. Yeah. That was the big thing. I was surprised at how dry it was. And then the locations we were hunting at, like Eric mentioned earlier, like little amounts of private land, or sorry, 
large amounts of private land, little amounts of public land. Uh, so you can imagine if you've got maybe five huntable pieces of land and over probably 200, 300 hunters, I would say they weren't all there in that proximity, but probably throughout the week or in and out, um, that you would see them come in and out. We definitely saw a lot, a lot of hunters, a lot of pressure. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with the first day. Uh, so we call Eric's already down there. He's set up waiting for us. He's going to meet us at the spot at basically sunrise. Tom and I are in the truck and I, uh, we call or Eric calls me and you give me the lay down of like, what's going on. Yeah. Um, there was an idiot out on the, uh, out on the public that we were planning to hunt. It's a, it's an, it, what? The best part about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, this is a state trust land. Yeah, which is not only accessible by foot is uh, so uh, some I think that's pretty much a blanket rule for all state trust land across the state. I don't know any of it that you can actually drive on. It's only open um, sunrise to sunset. You can't camp on it. So I get there and there is this guy driving right out into the middle of the only one mile by one mile sized land that we can hunt. Which was the same spot you shot your antelope yeah. last year, yep, so same you're like familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. Um, the scouting I had done the year before, I went down there and there was a herd of, you know, 20 antelope. It was, I mean, I felt good about this spot. Yeah. And um, so, but at this point, I've kind of committed because there's so many hunters in such a little area that now I either have to deal with this Yahoo out here and the driving in the middle of it. Or I've got to try and hope that one of the other spots isn't taken. Yeah. Um, and it's already getting, you know, we're after sun, sunrise at this point. Um, so I ultimately waited on you guys, but I thought our best decision was to be just to go ahead and hopefully he'll be out of there soon enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I don't know if you want to take it, take, sure. kick so- it back over there. So we got there, and I never, never heard. I had heard the the expression, but I'd never experienced it in life. But the like sea of orange that people always talk about for a second and third elk rifle here in Colorado, because it's like the over the counter tags, is like that was this scenario played out. Uh, we got in, and like we parked next to Eric, but along this stretch of road for like the one mile, there were four other vehicles, three or four other vehicles, three other vehicles. And then the one in, in the middle. Um, and I was just like, Holy smokes. And then there's like four guys that get out of one vehicle <laughs> and then us four. And like, we're, we're basically like racing them to get all of our stuff together. And we had kind of like thrown everything in the truck this morning, the morning. So we were trying to get it all together and get Zoe together and just, get out to the spot. So, uh, those guys like started walking in, we started walking in, we saw what we thought was another guy at another spot, which ended up being a bucket, but (laughs) (laughs) we later found out there's like another guy walking the ridge. Well, there was a, there there was a guy over by that bucket. He just didn't have any orange. Oh, that's right. The guy with the no, the no orange on, which, wow. You got very lucky to get away. Yeah. We'll come back. Don't, don't give that away yet. (laughs) We'll come back to that. Um, so we go out and like set in this spot basically and at this point it's just like 
we we walk past the truck that's parked there and we're like oh yep all right so there's somebody parked here and so we go up and we sit and we're like well hopefully this works out so we sit on the ridge for a bit and um really like see all the people driving around like because we're probably half mile from the road and just people cruising up and down the road stopping looking seeing us keep going watch the other hunters move around and this goes on for a while um and then so we are probably 400 yards from where this truck is parked at but we're like up on the side of the hill well the person who leased the land from the state to like run cattle on or do whatever comes like we only assume that it's him because this other vehicle comes out drives out there and parks behind the uh the person's truck and we're like all right well this is obviously going to be very interesting and so then we then we uh he then comes over to us yeah uh well he came over i we were the closest ones to the truck. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a natural assumption. Naturally, be like those. Those are the lazy people there because right. they parked exactly where they were going to go. S- exactly. Sit. Um, so he comes up. So I decide that I'm going to go down and meet him down um, off the hill, so he doesn't have to come up and talk to us. And I'm like, "Hey, man, you know, it's not us. We're it's not our vehicle. I, you know." And he was, uh, for lack of better, he was pissed that yeah. they were out there. Um, we could hear him up on the hill. Yeah, he gave you he even after you told him like that's not my truck, he like gave you an earful about like why it's not okay to park your truck out there. I right. <laughs> was like, but it's not us. He's like, I don't care. It's like yeah. yeah. I mean, and at the same time, you know, it's I understand why the dude's upset. Yeah, and I just tried to diffuse it the best that I could and kind of talk him off the ledge, but um. And then he, uh, but ultimately he was fine with me once he figured out it wasn't my truck. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then he went on and some other people came out and talked to him and I don't know, at some point the, the game warden was called. Yep. Uh, because the next person to come out was the game warden. And this was like an hour of us, like a- after that, probably and we're all sitting there like at this point, the sun's up, it's hot shining on us we're on the like east side of this hill and it's you know we're just hanging out so the the morning's hunt's blown yeah i mean mean, it's it's over for the morning at least at that point so then the warden drives out and he pulls up behind the person and then you go down there and talk to the warden yep i went down talked to the game warden uh really nice fella and uh was just trying to tell him you know hey I don't. You know, I I basically gave him all the information I could to help, but I, there wasn't a whole lot I could give him because I was there whenever the guy was pulling out, but I didn't see what direction he headed or anything like that. Yeah. Um. But ultimately, I uh, talked to the warden, and he came up and decided to check all of our licenses. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, you know, that's what he's there for. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um checked all of our licenses and it was all good tom you got to uh realize you got hustled which was kind of fun oh yeah let's <laughs> let's recap this so the day before we went down i told justin i was like hey i'm gonna make some last minute gear purchases and everything and then when i get to 
the sportsman place, I realized that, hey, I don't have antelope tags. And so I was like, hey, I'm a, I talked to you about it. Well, it's was, not that you don't have them. The, you didn't. They didn't get mailed to me. Yeah. And so I was looking at it, discussing things with you, and I was like, hey, I'm just going to go inside and talk to the person to see what can happen. Um, get to the register, and I was like, hey, this is what happened. I never got mailed to me. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can help you out. And initially, the one gentleman at the register was like, should only be like $5. Yeah, $5 uh, reprint. Yeah, right. And so I was like, hey, that's cool. I can afford that. And the other person was like, oh, checking it through and da da da. And she goes, oh, that's $50. And I was like, well, I'm not going to not go on this hunt. So here you go. Here's my card. I'll pay for it. Oof. And I get back out to the truck and I text you and Eric. Yeah. Hey, this is what's happening. And yeah. I, I think I called you too. And you're Likely. like, that doesn't seem right. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't seem right because I already had the elk tag. Yep. And so I went back in the store and they're like, yeah, we probably charged you wrong. I was like, I think you did. Can you reimburse me? They're like, no. So anyways, talk to the game warden. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which they probably could. Well, I didn't want to waste any time. I was already tired. Um. Talked to the game war, and he just kind of laughed at me because he was like, uh, yeah, you weren't supposed to do that. They should have just charged you for the antelope tags to duplicate them. He goes, I was like, so uh, do I just go down to one of your local offices and try and get reimbursed? Ultimately, probably not going to happen. So No. Well, at least you know your dollars should go into conservation. Correct. Or to Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Sportsman's Warehouse. Which I was just Googling to see. Uh, I think it was supposed to be a $5 charge. So, But I think they do. It's $5 per. Correct. but It's $5 per. Uh, it's not like $5 to get your entire license reprint. Because I had to go get my fishing license. And he's like, oh, do you want to add your fur bear on here? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, actually, it's another $5 to put the fur bear. So when they printed it, they hit you for your... Uh, hunting license. They hit you for your fishing license. They hit you for your small game. They hit you for your elk tag, and they hit you for your antelope tag. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Plus whatever processing fees they had, plus tax or whatever. That's why it was fifty bucks. But yeah, in reality, they should have been able to just print your antelope one, and that would have been only five dollars. Yeah, just the pronghorn. Well, like you said, conservation has got an extra forty-five bucks. Somebody does. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Where were we at? Oh yeah. So we got our license checked. We yeah. got all our shit. We hung out. We chatted with uh, the warden for a bit, and uh, and then he basically left and was like, "I'm gonna go wait for this person to come back." Yeah. And so, uh, we sat there. And while we were sitting there, somebody came out and, like, walked past the truck, which we thought this was, we were like, oh, this is going to be great. The drama is going to be on. And then uh, that person kept going. That person also looked well, – wait. Let me, what let me hop, l- yeah, yeah, let hop me, in. So this is the guy and not in orange. So Oh, no, that was no, previous. This, so th- No, this is what happens. So the guy comes out to the truck. The warden comes out, thinks it's him, but the guy keeps walking past yep. the truck. As – he the warden comes out and comes to the truck 
the guy that wasn't wearing orange along the line of the property walks out. And so the warden comes back up, talks to me again. And I, and I was like, yeah, I'm like, did you see the guy over there? Just walked out, not wearing any orange. And he was like, no, I missed him. Where's he at? And I'm like, he's driving off. <laughs> so the guy was- came out first day of rifle, which Colorado is pretty strict about their orange. It's like orange vest has to be visible from 360 and a hat. Yeah, and I, they're strict about their hats. They're strict about their hats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the color. Thank you, Zoe. It faded. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, I wore it. Well, we uh, got to tell the story now. I wore, yeah. So, all right. So the warden is sitting there talking to us in the initial, and he just like he's staring at me oddly, and I'm like, okay. He's staring at the celebrity. No. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna go down this rabbit hole. Okay, let's do it. So uh, when I went down to meet the warden initially, as we're walking back up, I'm like, just so you know, I'm like the guy over the left. It's a celebrity, and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, do harvesting nature. You haven't heard of it? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, you got to check it out. So immediately we get up there, and you know, he's the warden's kind of giving Justin a hard time about you know being a celebrity, and, and Justin's hating every minute of it because um, I'll take the heat for this one. I'm a jerk, uh, but it was just too much fun to pass up in the moment. But yeah, so um, so he, he's he's looking at me oddly, and he he gets quiet, and then he's looking at me, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, and he's like, your hat's not orange enough; it's not fluorescent anymore. Yeah, and I was like, it's not, <laughs> and he's like, no, it's not. Do you have something else to put on your head? And I was like, yes, I do. And so I ended up wearing like a one one of our orange beanies yeah. for the rest of the weekend despite the heat yeah. <laughs> um uh, it, yeah it was uh i, I mean, mean it, it's okay it is what it is like right like i would rather be safe and i'm out there with my kiddo i would rather be safe than like than not so whatever i'm i'm happy to comply by rules if it's faded it's faded so absolutely no i mean I, I wouldn't have said I, I didn't tell you at the beginning of the hunt that I didn't think your hat wasn't fluorescent enough. Um, but at the same time, you it's know, all your guys' fault, right? Yeah, it's your fault too, Zoe. I, I, <laughs> that's why I, that's why I blame it on Zoe. Um, Zoe's fault. No, I mean, you want to split hairs about it? That's fine yeah. too, man. You know, it, uh, no, I mean, it's all good. I it I it didn't. I think, me, but did, let's circle back around. So the guy came out with no camo. Or no orange in full camo. We couldn't tell if he was carrying a bow or a rifle. Yeah, I, I mean, I and I wasn't that concerned about it yeah. other than the fact that I was just curious, you know. And then, so then he, the game warden tries to run off and find out who that is or whatever. Yeah. But now the truck is still sitting there and what, it's 11 o'clock? In which, too, at some point we'd heard some shots, and there was some debate on on where the shots had come from because so the the piece of land we were hunting there was also like a sliver of BLM attached to it, um, and I my my speculation, although we never found remains, I think I think I'm gonna hold fast that I was right <laughs> um, that it came from another piece of land like a mile away. Correct. How did that? Well, we did. We did find remains there. Correct. But so the, I don't area, know, one of those... the, the area that I said the shot came from, we found a dead antelope on. Yeah. And the area that you said you heard the shot from, there was no dead antelope on. Okay. Maybe it was far away? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really loud <laughs> boom. 
I mean, wait, no, that doesn't support my, <laughs> my thoughts. It's both of yours. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I, I mean, I thought one guy was packing out because the way he had his rifle slung, but mm-hmm. maybe he was just done and just had threw it on his pack. But yeah, who knows? Um, Didn't y'all make a bet on that? No. Oh, oh man, that would be fun. Why? Then it would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun at all. Um, so, essentially, we like hung out there, like knowing that it is. But at this point, and I told you earlier, I was like, I bet all the hunters are going to be out by like 10. Yeah. And at 10 o'clock, yeah, like we found, we found ourselves, with the exception of the truck still parked in the middle. All the other trucks on the road were out. We weren't really sure where the other truck or the other person from the truck parked in the middle of the field was, but I wanted to go check out that piece of BLM land. So we like Tom and Zoe and I gathered our stuff and we went back and Eric stayed there um, and went back and it was like, kind of went on a bit of a hike uh, through some, some river ravines and, uh, buttes and all that to like kind of get back to where i wanted to get but we got back there great antelope country and then we find a hunter there and then as we're there eric texts me that the other guy came out and that the warden did did confront him yeah and i'll let you tell that because you saw it oh man uh i you know it's like you want to feel sorry for the guy and then you remember he's the idiot but the guy comes out and sure enough the warden comes up catches him red-handed um, they're sitting there, they have a conversation. I'm trying not to like glass the whole thing because the, you know, the mild the hunting drama, right? Well, right. Telenovela. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, but you know, like I don't want to like be in their business, but I feel, um, I feel like I've earned it cause he's ruined my morning hunt at this point, but I'm watching and, uh, they start talking the, the warden goes back, ends up taking the, the hunter's rifle. So I'm assuming he did worse, something worse than, I'm assuming he did something worse than park on state trust land. Because he ended up, the warden took his rifle and went back there and wrote, I don't know. I mean, it looked like the game warden was writing a novel on his tailgate before letting the guy go. Oh, wow, yeah. But it was... Um, Watching it play out in front of me, uh, I, while I want to feel bad for the guy, um, I also am kind of happy that he got caught. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. I feel like it all depends on you. Like, I, I know me personally. Like, I'm super paranoid about not knowing the regulation for the area, and then like tripping up and making a mistake. And like, even if I get caught, like, I feel bad in that moment. You know, then I realized, like, oh, man, I made a mistake, and I'm, like, I'm not properly using the land, or I'm not respecting the boundaries, or I'm, you know, the landowner could be unhappy. Like, I don't want to ruin the reputation for hunters. Like, all those things like that, but, like, there's a difference between an honest mistake and just, like, not looking into it. Yes. And it was, it's posted there. Yes. And on a big sign. Yeah. Um, And not only that, um, I mean... Everyone else is parked on the road. How many trucks were there? Yeah, know, like it, four. Yeah. It's uh, even common sense should tell you, hey, I shouldn't drive yep. out here. 
onto this very fragile landscape as the <laughs> land the guy the landowner quote unquote as he drives out <laughs> it's fragile when you leave your when you leave your tracks on it it never grows back it erodes i'm like you drove your truck out here like three quarters of a mile to get to us to tell us this yeah man but i mean what it is what it is um no, so then Eric Eric had told me like that was going down up there, and and we were back in the back. So now at this point, not expecting anybody to, <laughs> not expecting anyone to um to be back there, and like there's still a guy like roaming around back there at the bottom of like this BLM land. So we were like, ah, well, this spot looks really good, but we're gonna go ahead and head back. And then Eric tells me that the person parked their car and came back in without a rifle. So yeah. likely joining that other person. And so then from there we had lunch, uh, delicious lunch, uh, basically in, in the full sun. Plenty of people dusting us driving oh, by man. at 30 miles an hour. Man, I smelled, I, I smelled dust like the entire weekend. Like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's in your, it's in your everywhere. Um, and yeah, and then we decided we we're gonna go check out another spot, uh, which that spot is the one we got up to, um, and that somebody had shot an antelope there. We found like they used the gutless method on it, and so they'd taken the quarters and uh, the loins and stuff like that off of it, and um, yeah, we scouted around a bunch. All that that piece of property was way better antelope country than than some of the other spots and then we decided we're going to go to another chunk of the other one's the swa right swa yep. state state wildlife area and uh that's where we decided we were gonna try to get back into this one back parcel and then like uh camp there as well uh just like camp like eric in the back of his truck and uh tom had a tent zoe and i had a tent and so we were going to camp there and stay the night and try to, like, hunt that. But, like, quickly realizing once we got there um, that it was not great territory for antelope. Like, the spots that were flat and open where you would find air antelope were either uh, surrounded by a lot of steep ground in, like, kind of a small pocket. So picture, like, either a butte, so where the sides are steep and the top is flat, or, like, I don't know what you would call this, and I'm probably going to make, make myself sound silly but a reverse butte to where uh, let's call it a valley yeah a valley <laughs> will work yeah a gorge would a probably gorge, would also a wide open spot that has steep uh rises all around it so likely not going to find antelope in those because they typically like to be able to run away really quickly and typically don't like going through the gorges and stuff like through my experience i'm sure somebody else has had other experiences maybe the antelope are different in different places but um no we hunted around there uh got to see a double rainbow yeah that, that was, was really pretty yeah say that again that was really pretty the double rainbow yeah yeah that was pretty cool we, t- we took some photos some photo op times um we also in that SWA saw the other hundred and thirty hunters. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. To include, to include the folks that double parked in the campground and took force took. Whoever you are, if you're listening, please and, don't. and you and there's a park. There's four parking spaces to camp in. Don't put your trailer in one of them and park your truck in the other. Not a good idea. That's a public service announcement. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we, we ended up camping near there, but not in the camping area, which is like the camping area is nice and level and has good bottom and everywhere else is just like craggly with cactus and rocks as Tom found out. <laughs> I was too dang tired after I set that tent up to resituate. So I slept on a rock. Yeah. So all in all, I think the first day we did, we did probably seven miles, I think is what we tallied. Yeah, I think you guys went over seven. Um, yeah. I think you got because I did six. I think you guys did eight with your extra hike because I stayed to watch yeah. the the hunting soap opera. <laughs> yep. It feels like it was two miles, but more pain, like up a hill, a gigantic mountain. Two miles up a gigantic mountain. Yes. Yeah, and the only antelope I think we only saw we saw one antelope. Uh, a young yearling buck, and then I saw a herd kind of tucked in somewhere, but all of them on private land, none of them public land. Um, probably due to all the 130 hunters we saw. Correct. And then the one person shot one. So then we devised our strategy for the next day, which was going to be to go back to the previous spots and kind of like hop around, basically spend as much time moving and covering land as as we could and there was one spot of blm that we hadn't really checked out the day before before we move on okay there's something i want to talk about here with fellow hunters because i had to explain this and this has nothing to do with hunting but it has to do with the night before the second day okay so i've come up with a conclusion and i'd love to hear some feedback on this okay but i think there is a rule somewhere that says that if you are actively hunting you cannot drink good beer. It has to be <laughs> like, so coming from the side, I actually was trying to explain this. No, that's me. Sorry. I was trying to explain this to, uh, to someone of why we were, um, drinking cheaper beer. And I, they were like, first off Coors banquet beer is a luxury beer. All right. Listen, I hear you out here in Colorado. It's the land of, you know, plentiful when it comes to your beer choices. <laughs> Um, but I was trying to explain to this person that, um, you have to. Yeah. So like growing up in the Southeast, it was always bush light. Yeah. And, uh, you know, up in the Midwest, it's either hams. Yeah. And, uh, hams, PBR, Montucky or Coors banquet. I, my point is I, I am too, when I'm hunting, I also bush light because I'm, from the southeast, not a bush latte fan. Nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> is so technically is is it hands or ham? Hams. <laughs> yeah, it's from Minnesota. That so, sounds really no, weird. Um, that's the thing is that you would. When would you ever order? If you and I went out for our strategic planning meeting at a local brewery. You didn't order a hams there. As no, point. they didn't have it. Oh, get out! Get <laughs> <laughs> But this is my point, though. Like, I, uh, I'm never ordering a Bush Light when I go out to the bar. Well, I mean, I, I think the thing of it is too is like I don't want to drink a, you know, a heavy beer. Like, I like good beer, I do, and I think all those are great beers. I think there are other not great beers that I wouldn't drink also. But I think, I think that, I think, yeah. I think it's a requirement. I do too. No, I, I, I'm, I'm forming this hypothesis. I think all those would be great beers and sponsors for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Montucky, I've already talked to you. Come on. Come no. Um, so one thing I think about, though, is you think about the availability of beers right. at like proximity to places you 
you would hunt slash camp. And I don't like if we're going back country or we're doing things like that, like I'm not taking beer, but like if we're just like car camping or doing whatever, like I want to have a, a beer at night and just like hang out uh, and then, you know, go hunting the next day. So. No, I 100% agree. I just, I had to explain myself to my friend as to why I would be going that route for my beer decision yeah. making. And I was like, I think it's a requirement. Well, I think too, you don't want like a high alcohol high alcohol uh content like brew absolutely no i agree with you i agree with what you're saying i just i'd love to hear others experience if somebody yeah. if, if there's somebody out there that just is like no I, I take my double porter i'd love to laugh at them that may be the that may be the uh title of the show here i take my double porter antelope hunting <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see so all right we've moved on so now we're at day two Day two's a special day. Uh, so we go to this. We we take the long route around from the state land over to the, the land we'd hunted previously the day before. We saw the, the great hunting drama of October 2022. Um, and on in route, there's a, a sliver of BLM, and it's probably 400 yards wide. Yeah. Yep. And about a mile deep. Yep. And it's got a portion of the road on it. And so we're like, oh, we're going to pass by. And so as we pass by, adjacent to that, there are two antelope bucks. One very mature one and one who is a yearling who possibly has antlers that are under that five inch rule. And so we decide then and there that we're going to go set up. Actually, you guys decide. And I decided to make coffee, which for those that know the coffee stories with me, that's when we see game. Um, do you guys go, go set up for that? And so I'll, I'll let you both collectively share. So first off, Tom's up to shoot first. Cause it's his first antelope hunt. So you guys just, tag team this emotions feelings excitement what whatever play by play yeah so we all decided that eric and i would go out there um eric gives me a little prep talk about how we're going to get up there and just number one rule do not look at them <laughs> yeah. do Which, not look medusa in the eyes you'll turn to concrete and i'm not gonna lie i was kind of looking at eric crazy because i was like if we're just ignoring them they're gonna be cool with it because like I told y'all before, I've only white-tailed hunt. And so, yeah, it turned out true. Eric's like, you looking at him? I was like, no, I'm not looking at him. And through your fingers. Like, every time Eric would look back, or I would look back when Eric looked back, he was they were just chilling. Yeah, that antelope, like, that antelope did not care. Because I was, like, I was making coffee, but I was also trying to, like, make a lot of noise and, like, distract him so he wasn't watching you guys and he was watching me instead, which didn't work. He didn't care about anything. Yeah. Um, and so it is a theory. And yeah. We talked about this, but I, I have subscribed to it and it has treated me well with not only antelope, but mule deer, which is if you are actively not giving them attention, if you're not acting like you're a predator, I've had much better lucks on stalks. So we didn't have, there was no way we were getting to any of the, the greenery from where we were at. Um, 
either without low crawling 800 yards up a hill or just giving it a shot for Tom to get up close to it. So um, we used that method and two of us, Tom and I literally walked 400 yards across and another 500 yards back just slowly, methodically, kind of um, another another way I describe it is just kind of kicking the dirt in front of you, mm-hmm. um, just acting like you don't care about the animal at all. And the animal was actively, like if you picture a triangle, the animal was, the antelope was meeting us at, like he was walking yeah. towards where we were walking towards. Yes. We ended up um, with him. I asked Tom what, what, at what comfort level you were comfortable shooting. And you said, you know, somewhere between two and 300 was, you know, plenty for you. And I said, okay, well, we're going to go for that tree over there to try and get some cover we made it there and um at first when we saw when we first saw the yearling antelope i said i told you i said i think that's illegal i think that's a legal antelope and we got out there and we got to he was at i ranged him at 300 i told tom i said i think he's a legal antelope and but he kept he was coming towards us still and tom and i were in a great ambush spot where i mean we were right there didn't even need to stalk him anymore we had tree for cover and uh he got within 200 he was mm-hmm. at 199 and i looked at tom and i said i think i don't know anymore I, yeah i couldn't i told you guys ultimately i think his horns were somewhere between four and six inches and that's just too much for my comfort level yeah um i think it could have completely been a legal antelope could have also not been a legal I man i i don't know i wouldn't have shot it i told you guys that from the beginning i was like i don't i don't I would not feel comfortable shooting this antelope. And then I looked it up later after we talked about it, and it was like an antelope's ears are on average five and a half inches tall. But right. that depends on food, water, age, all these things. Like, there's so many factors, but it's like it was so very close to call. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, you don't, if it's too, you know, it's not one of those things you want to find out that you're wrong after no. the fact. Um, I told you the one that I killed the year before was a yearling buck, and I was I was comfortable with him. And uh, the one thing that I was curious about with this one, the two things were he had a full black patch, yeah, which meant he probably was a full year old, yeah, um, which scared me a little bit. And I just I also had a tag, so if I felt comfortable, I could have pull, pulled the trigger, even mm-hmm. if Tom wasn't. But I I told Tom I couldn't comfortably do it, and I let you make your own decision. So. Well, we look. I looked through the scope. You looked through the binos. We did that like five times because we were sitting there discussing it the whole time while he was moving towards us. And he got what he was in between 100 and 200. Yeah, he got to 199. Yep. And then we finally made the call that we weren't going to do it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then he just kind of like meandered away, yep. like not spooked. Uh, you guys walked back and he just like walked away. And we were like, okay. And then we saw across the hill behind us as it was making coffee, there were two doe antelope that decided just to pop out of nowhere. And then we were like, okay, cool. Same scenario. There's obviously something they're moving towards that way. So we all then collectively went and got at the top of the hill. And unfortunately, those doe antelope like spooked. Um, 
So we went up and sat at the top of the hill, uh, just kind of like glassed around, waiting for for some of the antelope to potentially come our way. And who but saunters in the young same antelope, the same young antelope buck. Um, and this time he's just like walking towards us. And so I take my game bag out and I put it on a tree uh, because I know that I know that in fact in the past I've used a game bag as a flag is a way that antelope will stop and will come towards it because they're curious versus like a human silhouette where they won't be um so i put it there and he like started slowly closing the distance and he closed the distance from i think i ranged originally 230 and he got down to probably 75 yards away yep and then at that point he dropped in like a little gully and we also all at this point put like we put glass on him and all agreed unanimously like not a legal buck right like his his antlers were exactly at the tip of his ears so five and a half inches or more right yeah so not not none of us at that point were comfortable we could have like i i could have thrown a rock at him <laughs> correct but i did shoot him with my camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got probably like one of the most, the coolest pictures I've, I, I will see. I actually need to put it, I'll put it on the computer here in a bit uh, after this. And, but he's on a ridge and uh, he's kind of like quartering away from me. But in the background are the, uh, the range called here in Colorado, the wet mountains. And so you can just see that in the background. Super, super cool picture. Um, I'll put it up on social media too, uh, as we kind of tell the story. It may, by the time you listen to this, it may already be up because I'm excited to share some of our photos. But um, got super close to him. That antelope did not care about anything. No, he did. You could. Ha- I think I could have knifed him. Yeah. Like I told you at one point, like I should have just knifed him and then claimed self defense because nobody would have <laughs> believed that story yeah. anyways. So no. So then, uh, uh, then you know, then I came back and we did some chatting and. So, I wanted to go back to the BLM land from the day before that was the other sliver. And so, Tom and Zoe were going to go with me. And Eric was going to stay there and at this spot and hang out. And I'll let you tell the story because we start walking back. Yeah, we start walking back and we're just taking our time. But, I mean, just another thing. We decided last the night before that we were going to try and shoot some rabbits if we could. Because yep. we all had our small game tags. Um, so we're walking back and we were what, not even, we're about 50 yards away from where Eric was more or less and not even 10 feet from me. I look up from the ground and I see a rabbit, fluffy rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, correct. Yeah. And so I told, I told you and Zoe, I was like, stop. And she was just sitting there blending in with the brush Mm -hmm. and I was like, Justin, I think I see a rabbit. Yeah, and I was like, holy smokes, yeah, there's a giant jackrabbit there, like the size of a house cat. And so you walk up, and we're sitting there pondering how we should take this. Yep. So, so I was like, we're sitting there looking at each other, and I was like, here, here's my knife. Yeah, and I was like, I, I, don't, I, I don't feel comfortable, nor did I know the legality of knifing a rabbit. <laughs> um, so then I, I was like, 
Then the rabbit gets up and like freezes again and like this weird pose of like you can't see me but you can't see me. And then it like does the the normal rabbit thing where it runs like a big circle and comes back around within like twenty yards of you. So like I marked a spot on my onyx and I was like, all right, we're gonna go we're gonna go down to the truck. I'm gonna get my twenty two and I'm gonna come back up here. And I was like, wait. I was like, Tom, Zoe, you guys just stay here. The rabbit's like right there. If the rabbit moves, just follow the rabbit. Um so they uh they stay there and I walk down. It takes me about fifteen minutes to walk down and back because we were probably like a quarter mile or half mile away from probably half mile away from the truck. Um, so I walk back, swap out, grab the twenty two, come back up, take care of business with the rabbits. And uh, this rabbit's huge. Like if you go on our social media, I just posted a reel today. Uh, it's a great reel actually. It's about advertising. So if you have if you're an advertising partner. We just started our advertising program up for podcasts, for magazine, and for website. But look at the reel. The opening picture for the reel is me skinning this jackrabbit. And I would say, like, it was probably the size of my upper torso, like, lengthwise, once you had it stretched out. I've got all the meat um, in the fridge upstairs. I did a little dry age on it. So it's a jackrabbit, so they're big rabbits. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, it's a large It's a large rabbit. Um, that is large rabbit yeah i think we got a good amount of meat up there that i'm gonna play around with um but i also really like jack rabbit i've got some good recipes some old older recipes up on the website uh from some times where i shot some when i was living in california um but still pretty tasty they're dark meat instead of a light meat um but yeah got that all skinned out ready to go and then we decided we're all now collectively going to go back to the blm land which we get back there and then as we get back there, it part of it is on this ridge overlooking the wet mountains again. And this time the wet mountains are truly wet and there's like a big storm rolling in. Um, so we essentially uh, turned right around and like moved quickly as we could back towards the vehicles, which were at that point about two miles away. Um and got got there before it started really coming down. Then it started coming down, and we tried to go to a couple other spots, but just like the rain, the viz, the access, these roads were not great. Um, I don't know though. Uh, I think all in all, for my first time—not my first time Colorado antelope hunting, but my first time getting very near to Colorado antelope—I uh, think we all agree. That this zone was not our first... This unit was not our first choice. It was literally my eighth. Eighth choice. Eighth choice. I don't even think... I, I didn't even put in for the antelope draw, the primary. Because yeah. I wasn't playing on it. Because I had all my eggs in the basket for Wyoming. Which I ended up drawing two antelope tags and a mule deer tag for. Which some people were probably upset about. Because they drew none. But I don't which know. Is awesome. Yeah. We like antelope here. But... um. Yeah, I don't know. Let's 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 we'll we'll close out quickly here uh, as we're we're getting near time. But um, thoughts on kind of like the hunt as a whole, or like last thoughts or takeaways. Uh, we'll we'll just go kind of a uh, around the room. Sure. Uh, first thing, uh, you had mentioned something. We were when we were, for lack of a better term, trying to get away from that storm. Yeah. On the last day, uh, you mentioned something on the walk back that I want to give credit where credit is due, which is the three of us are all tall big men yeah and zoe kept up with all of us on that oh yeah at that grueling pace out 
and you had made a comment about how good of a hunter she already is. Oh, yeah. And, man, it was impressive. I was legit impressed, Zoe. So, good job I'm, on that. I'm pretty stoked. I mean, you're you're 10 years old, and at this point, this is, like, the second major, like, trip you've taken with me for, like, a couple yeah. days. I think. Yes. I think the first one was in Florida. No. Well, all right. So, maybe the third. So the one last year when Colin was mule deer hunting here and we did, we did 10 miles that day. Cause I calculated it all up and that one ended with Zoe being like, do we really have to go over there? Like I'm, I'm very tired. Can we drive to it or like go home? And so I called it, which I think is, I'll, I'll give this, this is a hot tip for, for parents out there. As you introduce your kid to the outdoors, like recognize that moment to stop. Because if you push them past that moment, that it's going to take the enjoyment factor out, and that's not what you want them to remember. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I mean, she's my daughter's age. Yeah, uh, that, so that's why it triggered to yeah, me. Yeah, So, so it's why it rains heavy. But uh, if you come on a hunt with me again, or if I go on a hunt with you, I would be more than happy to have Zoe come along as a hunting partner again. Zoe, do you have any thoughts before before you go? Because you got to go to bed. Uh, not that much. I want to go again. You want to go it. again? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's good. That's mission accomplished. All right. Zoe is going to sign off. All right. Please keep going. Yeah. Um, but no, as far as my uh, my experience, ultimately, um, I don't want to hunt that unit again. But if given the uh, you know the option of you don't get to hunt antelope. Or you have to hunt this unit, which has pretty much been my option for the past two years. Yeah. I'll go back down there again. Yeah, um, I think so. I um, I, w- I was telling your wife when I came in about how um, I had a great weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I it I, that was a very successful hunt to me. Whether that's how I I don't define success by if I fill a tag or not. I define it by building friendships and having a good time. And that's what this weekend was for me. So. I appreciate you two coming down there with me. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy, you got some last thoughts? Um, so it was my first time ever at antelope hunting. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you and Eric for uh, teaching me and uh, mentoring me about hunting antelope and really uh, giving me a good experience out there. I mean, we didn't kill anything, but like Eric said, it's all about the experience, friendships, and uh, learning uh, and, like, getting that knowledge so I can hopefully pass it down one day to my kids. Um, overall, I think it was very successful. Was I worn out? Uh, you dang straight I was. But I wasn't a quit. I mean, we were all worn out, but we kept on going uh, to hopefully get us something, but ultimately good experience, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I had a great weekend. Um, I do think, yeah, this, the, it's a two-part success piece in my mind like one getting zoe out to to hunt and experience big game like that's that's one of the reasons i wanted to move out to colorado is to make it more accessible um you know for for her to come along and like the plan is like she's she's waitlisted right now for hunter's ed and hopefully we'll get her out get through that class and out for some some late season hunts and small game and stuff like that so that that definitely keeping cultivating that that uh interest for me is there and then getting Tom involved in sort of like his first Western style hunt of like 
hey, it's time to go out and we're gonna we're gonna hike and we're gonna glass and we're gonna spot and we're gonna stock and we're gonna glass and we're gonna eat freeze dried meals and we're gonna worry about drinking all of our water or eating all of our snacks like you know those things <laughs> um so and and i I say thanks to you guys for putting it with me because like i'm i it's hard for me to sit in one spot for very long I get very fidgety <laughs> yeah we <laughs> noticed yep <laughs> i uh but, and, and I mean, you know, yeah, I think, I think in a different unit, I think this, the, yeah. it, it, I, it becomes hard to, I want to move when there's nowhere to move to. I do too. But no, I, I'm, I'm of the same mind of you is that if given the opportunity to hunt this spot again, if there was no other option, like I would go down, but I feel like I'm a little more comfortable now to know, like, oh, I'm not going to go over to that piece of land. I'm not going to go waste my time there. I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, like, kind of rotate around and stake, you know, quote, unquote, stake my claim to certain pieces. So, yeah. but, I mean, also, dude, there's, like, there's a ton of pressure in that spot. But that's one reason why I really love antelope is because it's not like deer. It's not like elk. It's not like some things where, you know, there's, like, a morning hunt and an afternoon hunt, like, you're generally engaged in the hunt all day because like for the most part of the weather's right and everything lines up like the antelope are moving continuously, um, which gives you the opportunity on, you know, a 400 by one mile piece of land or a, you know, a a 200 by 200 mile piece of land. Like if the antelope are there and they're moving around, it just takes them being in the spot that you need them to be in, which happens. Um, no, all around successful hunt. Um, I am excited though to go to to move forward into the next and hopefully f- connect with some some other antelope and you know up in Wyoming. But um, no, excited we did it, and I think too like one of the major takeaways for me is like starting to sort of stretch my wings more and more here in Colorado, because I do like hunting the plains. I like hunting the Eastern plains. Like we did with antelope and mule deer last year, uh, with Colin and sort of my plan was to get back out to some of those same spots, but like Eric mentioned, like it just didn't line up. And then, um, instead of doing antelope archery, I did some antelope or some elk archery instead. So I kind of like changed up my priority, but, um, Really, really good weekend. Ready to move to the next. But I do want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I know this is a little deviation of our normal one, but I like to keep you guys on your toes to hear some good deep dive stories. Hopefully you took some great lessons from it. Hopefully you uh, think about hunting in Colorado. Uh, It's a great place to do it. I mean, sorry, it's a terrible place to hunt. Nobody should come here. No, that's never going to be my mindset. Like, it's a great place to come. Like, come out, hunt with us, shoot me a message. Let's hunt antelope together, whatever you want to do. But as always, our show notes will be online. So all the links to things that we mentioned that are linkable will be available there. And you can click and read and do whatever. Um, Also, to head over to social media, make sure you're following us, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the... the (laughs) <laughs> I put those pictures up on my Instacart. So. Your Instacart, yeah, you, you know, you <laughs> nice. In the snap face, <laughs> snap face, perfect. So yeah, uh, the weekend. Just so they're they're all there. Don't forget to hit checkout on the. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure you're, you're subscribed to that so you can see what all we're doing there. Uh, and then whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five star button. Leave us a review. Tell us we're doing wrong, or you know, tell us we're doing right. 
Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.